Welcome back to How's the Bite. This is Ken Root, and standing next to me is Bob Urban, who is the owner of Murray Bait and Tackle up here on the south end of Guttenberg under the big walleye on Highway 52. It's been a cold week, but it's one that a lot of people are excited about for two things. We'll talk about a little later on ice fishing, but we have a lot of deer hunters ready to go out right now. Yeah, Ken, this is the week that everybody comes in and gets their tags. Um, Clayton County, it, it, it pretty much shuts down fishing-wise. Everybody converts over to first season deer, uh, shotgun season. And I would say, just from doing it for a couple years, that uh, first season is probably three-quarter of our hunters that go out for deer. Mm -hmm. And then uh, second season would be the other quarter. So big opening weekend um, for everybody. They're getting their tags. They're getting their propane filled for their, for their blinds. Um, and they're coming in and getting their, their ammo, uh, their shotgun slugs, stuff like that for shotgun. What does a license cost in Iowa if it's a tag for a deer? So if you want to go statewide tag, um, your any sex tag is $33, and then your doe tag or your antler antlerless tag is uh, $28.50 for your first one. What's really nice about Clayton County um, is there's a ton of deer here. Uh, and they do offer 4,000 extra doe tags for Clayton County. We're sitting right at about 1,600 left to purchase, so we have sold quite a few. Um, we usually get around after first season this year, uh, last year, we, we'll be around about 1,000 come then. Really? So, yep, they have 1,000, uh, should be about 1,600 tags left, um, and then they're $15 for every one of those tags if you needed extra. Do landowners get any uh, break in price? They do. Landowner tags, if you're registered with the Department of Natural Resources and your parcels are registered, they offer you a $2 tag uh, for any sex and a $2 tag uh, for your doe tag or antlerless tag. Well, you know, the farmers have always said that uh, they shouldn't have to pay anything because they feed those deer all year round. But the DNR says you don't own those deer, the public owns those deer. Yeah, I think that's just a common uh, conversation that people have. They come in and and they talk about that. Uh, but the landowners uh, have a lot more options, which is nice. Um, they can hunt first and second season on that $2 tag, which is a really nice option to open them up for, uh, you know, bow hunting with their state tag. There's a lot of different combinations you can do as a yeah. landowner, which is nice. Talk from the perspective of a, a hunter and a relationship with a landowner when you want to hunt on their land. Just hearing the guys from uh, from the store here, it just seems like it's, over the years, it's gotten harder to get the land. Um, whether people are coming in from out of the county, whether or not somebody made one mistake, and that's all it makes is, is somebody in your group mm -hmm. going over the fence or... Leaving the gate open. Yep, doing something, leaving the gate open. Just something that disappoints another, and it just takes one person along with anything before somebody can't get permission, so... Uh, I have noticed there's a lot of long-standing relationships up here near Guttenberg that that folks, you know, hey, you're giving somebody, you know, you give them some sticks, you give them a pie, you give them this or that, and, and that's sometimes all it takes. It's really cool to see in Clayton County. Um, haven't ever seen it before, but at the high school they have little slips to miss school for deer hunting. So it's a big, big event up here. It's the big weekend for it. And, and it's just cool to see the camaraderie and uh, the kind of little parties that they have. Uh, deer camp, their yeah, food, yeah. drink, everything that they do, everybody gets together. It's a cool little deal. Well, an excused absence is hard to come by, but if it's deer season, 
uh, then that they'll let them out. That is that is pretty cute. That is a true statement of rural America. It is, it is, and and some of it is is probably because the teachers are out there with them. So. <laughs> right, right. Let's switch to ice fishing. We're close. It's been cold this week, been windy this week. I'd say the number of fishermen who are out right now is pretty low, isn't it? It is. Uh, we have totally transferred from our walleye stuff. We've put that up. Uh, the guys that were actually walleye fishing were getting bites, but it was they were pinning it to the bottom. They were acting like it was a full-off winter bite, um, almost into January, February bite for the walleyes if the ice would come off. Uh, so they are winterized. They're in their spots. They're spread out. They're not feeding like they were um, a month ago. So we have switched over to ice. We're waiting for those fish to congregate in those backwaters. And we're just looking to get out and get them. We need some safe ice. And with this wind blowing, that's not going to form. But if you give us seven days, it looks like the seven-day forecast, I really believe we'll, we'll have some decent ice um, when you check in with us next week. Let's talk safety. How thick should the ice be? Uh, Bob Burris a week ago uh, gave us some numbers. What do you think? Um, it's really a personal level, and with the river, um, I usually say two and a half, three inches of ice, but the river is its own little monster. Uh, a lot of the local guys will tell you, you know, if you're going across Johnson, Snye, McGill area, there's some springs there, there's some currents there. Same thing with Bussy. We do not cross Bussy from the west side to get to the east side. We start on the east side and go over. There's some current that comes in there in the middle. It's just not safe. If somebody's not parked in the area where, where we usually go, that's kind of a warning sign. Uh -huh. uh, Bussy is kind of the same on the north side. On, on the island road is where we access it from. And uh, nobody's parking on the west side and walking across. That's, that's probably why, just because it's not safe. It takes till about January before we get safe in there. So One more thing for people parking your vehicle on private property. Should not do that unless you know it's okay. Correct. Uh, they did open up to where we could park on on uh, the island road, but that's all you can park on. There isn't anybody's property unless you have permission. Uh, we're not supposed to be trespassing on that, doing damage on the docks, anything like that. So access it from island road, and again, you need to wait for, for that tube to kind of thaw, or not thaw, I guess, freeze up and uh, be safe for you to get on it. Yeah. Ice picks, um, chisels. Uh, spud bars, we need spud bars. Anything that you need for safety-wise, uh, those are the three musts to have early ice that everybody's looking for. Float suits, if you don't have a float suit, get a float suit. They're very, very good investment. Had a gentleman fall in a couple years ago, uh, saved his life, a heavier guy. So float suits are very nice. They've come a long way. Uh, just something to keep you up above the water. What about these augers you've got? Uh, we've got a little feature later on. They look like they're plastic but they're light enough to get out there with, and you don't have to take a drill with some of them. Yeah, so Dan uh, is going to talk, uh, doing demos with Dan again this week. Going to talk about that. There's all the different brands, and I'm just going to go over the brands. I don't know if he went over those or not, but we do have the Jiffy Torches. We do have the Strike Master Light Flights. We do have the K-Drills, and we do have the Eskimo Pistol Bits. So this year, for the first time, we've had all four companies and you can go on the YouTube, you can see which one's better. They all serve the same purpose. Uh, they're light. Uh, that's what we're after when we're hauling on the backwaters. We want it as light as possible. And uh, something that really melts through that ice with a drill. Some of them you don't need a drill. And Dan will go into detail about those. Now, I talked with Dale Radcliffe earlier, who has some exceptional 
ice fishing rods and he enlightened me as to why that you have to have a or you could have a special rod to be able to be more likely to catch fish but I think you know this subject about as well as he does so what's your answer to why people should have a different rod for ice fishing than they have for open water fishing yeah it's just a little bit different uh, the sensitivity uh, when you're when you're a little bit shorter on the rod different techniques Dale has really good products um, top-notch you are gonna pay for it but it's worth it um, just like anything it, you, you pay for what you get um, that this is gonna be a prime example of that he's got some really nice carbon rods um, some noodles some inline rods that are really nice we talked about that last week with the podcast um, Bob's rods this would just be like a little little higher notch this is something that's not for everybody they're in the two to 250 price range, um, but we have them here. We're fully stocked. We have a ton of different stuff with his product. Uh, he stopped in and stocked us up, and he'll talk to you about it on the podcast. With Benny's work here, you've stocked every place that I can see. In fact, I can't see the walls in most places for all the stuff that you have, so you are ready. Yeah, we just, like I said, we, we're a small enough store. We have the space. Uh, but we don't have it to do both. So we are switching over to our ice. Benny's have been helping us a lot in here. We have a lot more selection and more stuff coming in. Beth has given us a little bit of her side of the store now that we're expanding that way and uh, have a lot of stuff, a lot of different jigs, a lot of new, a lot of old. We're going to have the best selection in Northeast Iowa for tungsten and uh, lead ice jigs this year. What if you're out to ice fish and you need to get through some ice of substantial thickness, we hope? Dan Sawyer's with me. We're going to talk just augers here because the Murray Bait and Tackle has quite a few of them. What are some of the innovations in these augers? Well, Ken, a lot of the innovations that have come up over the last few years is weight, and they're trying to cut down the weight for the person to carry out to the where he's fishing. So we have a couple couple augers. Uh, called it, one's called a K-drill, and another one's called a light flight. A lot of plastic on them, but it's strong plastic, like the augers are made of plastic. Uh, the K-drill has a float on top of it, so if it comes off of a regular half-inch drill and falls in the water, it'll float. And so that's, that's your methodology. Use a half-inch cordless drill. you got to have something that will strong enough to run it, yep. you know, in a... And a half inch is what it takes. Uh, and then most guys just have a couple lithium batteries with them. And if they, you can drill a lot of holes with them in one day. Yeah. So. so what's the average size hole that people fish out of? Six to seven. Uh, we've got a six inch here. Uh, we've got a seven and a half inch. Uh, you can go up to eight inch. Uh, some guys like the bigger holes because they use a Vexlar. And the transducer is in the hole with the, with the, and when you bring a fish up, uh, sometimes they get wrapped up in the cable on the Vexlar uh, sonar. Uh, so you have to kind of pull it all up together. But the bigger the hole, the better that works. Some guys like as much as a, like we've got a, that's about a four inch right there. You, the fish don't see as well either because the fish can see up. So if you've got a smaller hole, you're not quite as exposed to the fish down there. So. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of choices. to. I like this theory here since uh, I know a guy real well who spun a, uh, a prop off his uh, boat and never saw it again. And sort of the same thing here. If you happen to drop that auger in and it comes off of your drill, you couldn't get it back 
But this one, that orange piece at the top, that's a float, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's the whole thing about that K-drill is it's, it won't sink to the bottom. I mean, you take a regular auger, steel auger, it's gonna, you say goodbye to it. Uh, these will stay in the hole. Some them have a flat plate on top below the drill, and it may be bigger than the hole they're drilling, so it falls off. It just sets on the top of the hole. Yeah, yeah and we've got... You know, we've got some power augers that were coming in that are 24-volt, 40-volt augers that are all electric now with lithium batteries. And they're light, too, so uh, I know he's got some of those coming in, and he's got a bunch of ice fishing shacks coming in. So they're going to have a lot of inventory here coming in soon. Well, we'll hit the ice fishing shacks later on as it gets to the cold, cold of winter. And, uh, and then also the couches, the fishing couches that you take out there, two-person, three-person couches. What about getting the ice out of the hole? Is there a, is there a scoop people use? Yeah, we've got dippers. Um, a lot of them, there's different kinds. We've got one gentleman that makes them. He takes a golf club and solders a metal scoop on the bottom of it and sells them. Bob has had some of those. Um, we've got some plastic ones. People like the plastic because they can tap those on the ice mm-hmm. and it just because they do ice up. Yeah. when it's cold so you can tap and break the ice off of it uh, we've got those in different lengths and uh, there's just a bunch of different ones there's metal ones shorter metal ones too so just whatever you like the one guy with the um golf yeah, that's larry's yeah he's he likes to lean on them they said yeah. as a prop so yeah, yeah. Well, he could be a, a state worker yeah yeah uh, right at home i appreciate you talking to me dad so you're now folks you know more and maybe everything about how to drill a hole in the ice so you can fish through it thank you dan You're welcome. Thank you, Ken. This is Ken Root, and today we're going to talk about ice fishing rods. Now, if you think you can bring the same thing you have from bass fishing to ice fishing, you supposedly can. But if you want to have some edge on this whole thing, there is a whole new generation of these ice fishing rods. And this is high-tech stuff. Uh, even with my limited knowledge of the whole industry. And joining me is Dale Radcliffe, who is the maker of uh, Radcliffe's Custom Rods. Dale, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. When did you get started in a rod-making business? I guess it's about four years ago now. Um, I actually started in this this joint venture with me and my nephew, Eric Horseman, and uh, he was excellent at tying flies, so I asked him one day if he could tie me a, a rod. Um, mainly for our own personal use, and uh, it kind of grew from there. Um, but uh, we started with long rods, and now we're into pretty much the full array of ice rods in, in the market. Well, as we are in ice fishing season, uh, or getting real close to it here in northern Iowa, let's talk about these rods you have because, I mean, they are truly specialized. You're not going to try to drag in an open water uh eight-pound bass or walleye on one of these, it doesn't appear to me, but they are very lightweight, and you're using carbon fiber, aren't you? Yeah. um, What really sets our rods apart from others uh, is we do use carbon fiber grips um, across our product line. Most people don't know a lot about carbon fiber because they're familiar with uh, EVA and cork grips, but uh, carbon fiber is like the next generation in rods that actually amplifies um, your sensitivity on your blank versus the other components out there uh, actually deaden your sensitivity. So carbon fiber is cutting edge. Let's take one at a time here. I have a very small rod that 
appears to be ready to have a small uh, spinning reel put on it, and you have two bands on top, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's probably one of our carbon models that you have in your hand. Uh, we make both carbon and glass uh, noodle rods. Like so one that's called our G2. Um, that's a glass rod. We have our own custom blanks made, and uh, those have a very sensitive tip uh, for like three and four ounce millimeter jigs. And then there are carbon models like our carbon gill, carbon perch, or carbon walleye. And those um, use a carbon graphite blank. It's it's a solid blank. And those are designed um, more or less as a feel rod. Um, the visual rods are like our G2, G3, our glass blanks again. And then our carbon line is more of a feel rod. So then instead of a visual bite, you actually detect that through the handle. Well, Murray's on the south end of Maine and under the big walleye in uh, Guttenberg on Highway 52 has uh, about three racks of your rods. And I'm looking at that gill rod right now. Oh, my gosh. That doesn't weigh very much at all. What would you recommend as putting on it as far as a uh, as a lightweight reel? Um, Bob can really set you up in there if you go in. He has some 13 freefall reels and some light spinning reels, uh, like a Fluger President or any of those. Those work excellent on our rods. Um, when I balance each rod, um, each one is custom set. Um, those bands, I use uh, the iconic uh, I-band, or or rod bands, which are from actually Iowa, they actually hold the reel on very securely. They, all those rods, like I said, are balanced to those 13 uh, reels or the Pesifin reels, which some of the guys are familiar with. And uh, that's going to give you the best sensitivity and the best feel on those models. Well, Bob and I had a little laugh this morning. He showed me the tool he uses to pull these bands out to be able to uh, set your uh, your reel in there. And I jumped a bit because that's the same thing you use to castrate a bull with a rubber band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Uh, we use a real heavy, strong one, a metal version, um, to get those uh, attached just so. But, um, yeah, if you're familiar with cattle and being on farms like uh, most of us grew up on in the area, well, that tool comes very useful for doing that. Right. Now, let me get this out of the way here. This little rod that I don't think can weigh three ounces by itself, is $160. It is not the top of the line. The top of the line is a little bigger, a little heavier. Uh, this is the ultimate inline 65-inch telescoping, and it's $250. But it's got a reel on the back end of it, and it also telescopes out at the far end with a little spring uh, bobber, so it looks like it's moved up to an even higher level of sophistication. Yeah, that is our newest model. Um, actually, Aries has an exclusive on this right now. They're the first ones really to get them, and it's a telescoping rod, and it goes down to 39 inches when it's collapsed, so it can fit in a standard rod case. But the line actually runs up through the center, like traditional inline rods do. Um, anybody that's on the Mississippi um, is real familiar with it, or um, even in the southern part of Wisconsin, uh, inline roster are well known. But it's taking it to the next level. I actually have a, a customized reel built on that rod. It's an aluminum anodized reel, and um, it's uh, two ball bearings and one roller bearing, and it's a super nice reel as far as um, it, it actually goes inside the carbon fiber handles, removable, but it's threaded inside. So if needed to, some reason, restring the rod, 
um, it's really easy to take apart and service it. I also noticed that this uh, this reel at the back end that looks like kind of a, a brushed chrome is uh, reversible, so you can go left or right with it uh, to be able to reel with either hand. I'm talking with Dale Radcliffe, who is making an incredibly functional and beautiful um, ice fishing pole. The first one we looked at uh, will mount a reel and is very light and short. The second one is his ultimate inline that will go out to 65 inches. But uh, we make 15 different poles of rods, so we've got something that will fit whatever you're running to across the ice line. Um, another one that Bob has that's very popular he has there is a 48-inch quad rod. We sell a lot of those. They're very popular if you like to hole hop, which a lot of guys never do. And they want to fish big perch. I think that is the ultimate rod for that. One of the things Bob has talked about is that some species of fish, if you walk up too close to the hole, they flush and they stay away for a while. And this longer rod, telescoping out that far, looks like it might give you some advantage in that area. Yeah, that's a huge advantage, especially in the shallow water bites we have here on the river. Um, quite often, these fish are in five feet or less at times, especially crappies. And um, having that longer rod allows you to step up next to the hole and, and drop down in there um, without having any shadowing or noise uh, right close to the hole. So it gives the ability to give you that reach that you need um, without spooking the fish that are in that shallow, especially early ice right now. Well, that's the most popular. Dale, these are most interesting. I congratulate you on having the craftsmanship to be able to make them. What generally is the price range of these rods that you have in case somebody is maybe trying to get in at the lower end? Um, our long rod start, we have a lot of them actually at Bob's that are called 48, 44-inch uh, shorty, and that's our, our beginning level in the inline rods. They start at uh, 40. They progressively go up um, all the way to that ultimate in line, that's 250. So that's the spectrum on those. My other standard stuff, if you put highlights on them, uh, they start at the, we have a G2 that starts at the $130 point, and then they progressively go all the way up, even into, we have a big trout rod, which are closer to 180. So um, there's this full spectrum in there, and they change about $10. You also have a website, I understand, in case somebody's not close enough to be able to drop by Mary's here in Guttenberg. What is your website? Yeah, definitely. Um, up our website, um, all of our, uh, we actually have a dealer page on there, so it shows all of our current dealers, and it's www.radcliffrods.com. And uh, certainly look us up, and if you need to contact me, shoot me a text. Um, I'd be glad to, to help you out any way we Dale Radcliffe, thank you very much. Good fishing. Hey, likewise, and uh, thanks much for your guys out there that are fishing. Come on in. Uh, Murray's is open uh, six days a week from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. That would be uh, Monday through Saturday. And on Sunday, they cut back to 3 p.m. close. So they're open from 6 until 3. That's, that's more than daylight hours anymore, isn't it? It is for this time of the year. Um, it's funny, though, because they'll be waiting in the parking lot at 6 because they want to get up to Prairie. There's some good ice fishing spots up at Prairie, so we will be fully stocked next week. 
it sounds like with shiners, uh, rosy red minnows, your spikes, white red spikes, waxworms, they're all in ready to go for next weekend. Hopefully we get the ice and stay tuned to us on Facebook and on our podcast and you can figure out where we're going to be sending folks next weekend. All right, Bob. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Good.